Hey there, listeners. This is Jake here. Uh, I just want to let you know that on this episode of Commission Talks, Josh and I talk a little bit about the buying and selling of teams within leagues, uh, how those teams are valued, and then also league expansion. Hope you enjoy. Okay, we're live now. Okay. Uh, Josh, as a commissioner of a league, you have to deal a lot with transactions, mm-hmm. and a part of those transactions is the buying and selling of teams. So could you walk us through... Uh, just a general process of how that works within some of the leagues that you're you're a part of. Yeah, so there's uh, I'm going to do this twofold. One is there's hurdles that the league puts forth in terms of selling your team, so it'd be qualifying buyers, making sure that buyer puts up a letter of credit if the league there um, requires it. You have lease issues, making sure the lease is assigned to the new entity, intellectual property rights, so on and so forth. And um, so there's that side of the equation, and the other side of the equation is valuation which the leagues don't touch. And I advise my clients as a league, or if you're a team, um, you're very concerned about other teams' valuations, but as a league, because of you know potential interference claims or tortious interference claims, you don't delve into the sales price of a team. And you definitely don't dictate it. So we'll tackle each of those in turn. One is the, the hurdles put in place in the application process when a buyer comes to the table and wants to buy your team. One is the league is gonna vet the potential owner to make sure, one, they're financially capable of owning a team in a league. Do they have the required capital to go in? Um, And not only do they have the required capital, but do they have the required knowledge and expertise and passion to really do it? Because I've been in leagues and really been with other owners in leagues that were extremely wealthy that at some point decided to just cut off the spigots and stop operating and stop spending money. And so it wasn't that they weren't financially qualified to do it. They just chose not to spend any more money. And, and sports is really interesting, especially at the tertiary minor league level, that you're so much part of the community that you can significantly damage the rest of the league if you don't pay your bills. Mm-hmm. And you just try to start to shut it off. So leagues are very leery of teams leaving bills around town. So let's take another example. Let's say you're a restaurant in a community. You could just file bankruptcy. Right. And nobody really knows about it. It's not very public. Um, it doesn't affect any other businesses. Sports are very different. Sports, if you are things are going bad, you're not paying your bills, and you just shut the doors, it affects the rest of the league, so schedule-wise and everything else. From a league's perspective, how does a league prevent against something like that happening? So it starts with the vetting, as I was talking about. So typically, you would have an application that comes in from the buyer and seller, and the seller signs off, says, we've come to an agreement. We've come to terms on the team sale. Um, would you consider this application to transfer the membership from the seller to the buyer and allow them into the league? And so what happens from that application process, and this is a very typical scenario, each league has its own nuances because there's clearly franchises, there's 501c6s, there's single entities, there's a hybrid model of both, so on and so forth. The application would come to the league, it would include financials. And also so those, that those business financials plan. are from the potential buyer the individual. Of the yeah, the, the so individual, the, the that, individual or okay. individuals are. So, what is there ever a situation where an entity would purchase a team, not an individual? Yeah, actually, that happens quite often, okay. um, where you put up a controlled related entity. Yeah, but even then, the league will drill into who the owners of that related entity are and understand their financials. Okay, so in order for the team to get purchased, the league will have to go through the financials of of the LLC that entity, but then they'll also want to see the shareholders, um, the shareholders of that entity as Correct. well. Okay, and so most leagues have a minimum required net worth of those owners 
And this is where it gets dicey, right? Because you can be worth, and I'll take a, a typical example here is a real estate developer that has right. significant wealth, yeah. but nothing's very liquid. Leveraged. But nothing's yeah. liquid. And so they look on paper like, man, this guy's almost a billionaire, but there's like 300 grand in cash. It's just, it's crazy. And then on the other side of the coin, you'll, you'll get guys that are absolutely flush, guys <laughs> and gals for that matter, with liquid securities, things that are short-term cash. And that's what you want when you're vetting a, a potential team owner. Now, that being said, as I stated before, just because you have cash doesn't mean that you're going to be a good operator or that you're going to make sure you pay your bills mm -hmm. if things go bad. Mm -hmm. So what leagues do is then they require a letter of credit. And letter of credit is not an easy instrument to go get unless you have a lot of cash. Most banks either make you put up a, a lot of liquid collateral, that'd be cash in the bank, or uh, securities, marketable securities. So um, leagues require a letter of credit to make sure if the owner stops paying their bills around town or stops paying vendors or employees or whatnot, the league has the right to go draw on that letter of credit and then pay all of those bills. Mm -hmm. That's typically how it happens. On top of the financial credibility of that potential owner, you're also going to want to vet their character. The criminal history, if yeah, there's could any. Could you walk us through the process of vetting the almost the intangibles of, of a potential owner? Sure. So, I mean, the documentation is, let's see some financials. Preferably, they're signed off by an accountant. So, I want your last three years taxes. I want your yeah. personal financial statement. Um, I'm going to do a criminal background check that on you. Sounds like an interrogation. Well, that's, this is big business. I mean, yeah. you, think about it as you are allowing a person into your league as a partner, like a business partner almost, because you're going to rely on each other to create this product. Your team's going to come play me. And at the end of the day, you want to make sure that guy comes and plays you mm -hmm. or gal. Mm -hmm. they, you want to make sure that that person's going to show up for the longevity of that schedule, right? And there's brand recognition and, you know, you're going to run it with a certain level of class and performance and you want that brand association of all the teams being somewhat similar in terms of operations they're going to fund it and staff it properly so on and so forth so the process is financials criminal background check um in one league in particular i go really far so i will travel to the destination yeah i'll meet with their bank or their personal banker typically i'll meet with their legal representatives i will tour their business if they own one <laughs> I've visited houses just just to see, just yeah. to verify make this sure is real, you know, make yeah. sure the pictures on the mantle are really them. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you so mentioned right. you mentioned another thing that um, is a part of the process as well is the location of the person that's trying to buy the team. And you yeah. mentioned that that local people people are preferred over people that are, are remote or not local. Yeah, at least someone with local ties, mm -hmm. right? Because um, it's very easy for a person without local ties to pull up stakes and leave town, mm -hmm. right? They don't have a family business around. They don't have reputation. They don't have character that they have to see each other at church. They have to work in that economy going forward or their children are, are in that economy. So yeah, that's, that's something we consider, but it's not determinative of you're going to get in or get out because you're not local. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's not, the reality is you're never going to find a buyer for a lot of these teams that is always local. Okay. So, and in fact, I... Um, along with some partners owned a team and none of us were local. Yeah. So it worked, but it's not ideal. So what was the operating structure of that team that you owned? Um, in terms of like uh, how who, we operate? Who was actually running the team? Yeah. Uh, no, so none of you were local. So was there somebody that, that was there on site? So I was a CEO. Yeah. So I'd fly back and forth from Minneapolis to that team. <laughs> 
and I, I did that. It wasn't ideal, like yeah. I said, but it's like any other business. You have management on site, right? You know, and they manage the business. It's like mm-hmm. owning a restaurant. Like there's a general manager. The owner of the, that restaurant is not always there. Mm-hmm. Maybe sometimes, mm-hmm. but not in that particular case. We all had other ventures going on, so. We spent as much time as there as we could. We managed it. There was a board that made strategy decisions. There's a day-to-day person that had another level of strategy and, and business decision. And is your local day-to-day operator. So getting back to it, there's there's financial, criminal, um, and then there's a the local due diligence you do as a commissioner. And so you do all of that, and then you go back to the board and you report. And you check all the boxes. You know, Legal counsel may say, we've reviewed the financials. This person meets our minimum net worth requirements and liquidity requirements to be in this league. They have no criminal history. They're not litigious. They don't have lawsuits sitting out there. They don't is, have liens on their properties. They don't have tax levies. They have a good history. Is the liquidity number, is that is it just a number or is it kind of a range? Uh, I would say it's a number that okay. you shoot for. Okay. But everyone has a story, right? Everyone, yeah. you know, there's a reason this or maybe I have money in a trust that I get every year. I have a source of income okay. that'll help supplement this. Okay. Um, some leagues also require that you deposit a lump sum of money into the business account before we'll allow you into to mm-hmm. make sure you've actually got that mm-hmm. cash you can move because it's not restricted cash yeah so on and so forth so you then back to it financials criminal you've done on-site due diligence met with their personal representatives you go to the board and you say this is the person he qualifies or she qualifies under um, all of these scenarios but then that person is going to present a business plan Okay. And say, here's how I'm going to operate the business. Because typically, minor league sports businesses don't transact when they're doing well. A lot of them are sold as distressed uh, teams. They're not doing well financially, at least as a majority stakeholder flipping back and forth. So they typically present and say, here's the business plan. And you kind of get a good sense of, are they going to do well here based on the depth of their knowledge in the plan? Um that said, that's a lot less important than the financial side. Yeah. So once that's all done, the board votes, and this is the frustrating part about being a commissioner. Okay. Once the board votes yes and allows this person, um, this gal or this guy into the league, yep. you can't do anything about it. Okay. They're in. As a commissioner, you can't do anything about no. it. No. Okay. So, so if many, they're not so operating well. What does the board structure look like? How many people are on the board? How many votes does it take to get it? Get typical a yes? typical league, majority? it's how many owners there are. Okay. So it's a, it's a so. So if there's if 17 there's, teams, there's 17 votes. Okay. So 30 teams, 30 votes. Could be a majority. Could be super majority required to allow a transfer membership just based on the bylaws. Okay. So the frustrating part about as a commissioner is, you know, we turn into pin cushions. Um, when a team is not performing, so their broadcasts aren't very good or they're understaffed, or it's like, how can the league let this person do this? And in the league, unless you're a franchise, can't delve into business operations. Yeah. We can't dictate how they run their business. Now, there's probably some leeway if the board votes, we're going to create some minimum standards across the board. And if the person is violating or the entity is violating those minimum standards, you could probably go find them. But you can only find a team so much. Um, you really have to convince them the reason why they should perform better. And if they want more revenue, they got to staff it up, so on and so forth. But when a team fails, it's difficult for a league, um, at least for the commissioner, to take blame on that. Because once they're in, they're in. Mm-hmm. And you don't have a whole lot of control. And I can right. tell you, it's difficult to kick teams out of leagues. Yeah. Um, you can. 
It's been done many what, times. What, what does that process look like? That's a whole trial. Okay. Um, typically, um, this isn't only for the leagues I represent. This is just what I know leagues from other general. commissioners and whatnot. I mean, you go through a trial, present evidence, prosecute them. Okay. Um, now, is this, this isn't in front of just like no, a, it's not this in is front the board. of the judge. It's just in front of the judge. This is in, in front of the board. It's not in front of the judge. It's in front of the board. In front of the league board. Okay. And, and Now, typically they have sole jurisdiction too, so yeah. not meaning you can't appeal this in district court. Everyone tries to. Yeah. And they go to district court, and the judge will throw it out and say, yeah. you know, you lost your chance. You signed this agreement saying they have sole jurisdiction to decide your fate. Uh, but it is, you are going to be ripe for a lawsuit, kicking teams out of leagues. There's a lot of money invested here. Mm-hmm. And um, I would say I've been on both sides of it. I've been on the side where I was never kicked out of a league, but clearly I could have sued the league. Mm-hmm. Um, would I have won anything? No. Yeah. Were they liable? Yes. Okay. Um, but you're, you're talking about an entity that has no money. It doesn't really derive revenue. It derives fees and prepaid expenses from owners. Um, On the flip side, I've been in the league, and you're trying to kick out a team, and it's so frustrating because they need to go, and you can't get them out. Yeah. And they just want to play. And it's just like you you can't hold on any longer. Like there's no more money, and they're willing to go down with a ship, and you can't have that happen in the middle of the season, and it does happen. Mm -hmm. It happens to really good leagues, in fact. Um, so is there a way mid-season where you can work around that? Like if they're not going to play, I mean, uh, can you eliminate that from the schedule or is that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that does happen. Okay. Um, I saw a league earlier this year, team couldn't perform on a barnstorming tour, kind okay. of kind of right before the season, they eliminated from the schedule. Okay. Didn't really matter. Um, I've seen it mid-season where they just redo the schedule, messes up standings, messes up uh, scoring, because mm-hmm. that team already played games. So Big you, time. Do you not count the games they played? Do you not yeah. count the statistics in those games? I mean, it's, it's complicated. Very, very complicated about how you handle those situations. So clearly, every league tries to do the best job they can vetting new owners. The problem is, as a commissioner, you're under a ton of pressure for expansion right. and was, keeping teams in. Yeah. Because the more teams you have, typically the better scheduling, mm-hmm. the less dues for all the teams because you're being subsidized by more teams. Yeah. So, so there's what, a ton of pressure. What does the process look like um, for expansion, I think that's that's a part of um, valuing teams and bringing in buyers and sellers. Um, how how does a team or how does a league know when they need to expand or if they should contract? And what does the the expansion process look like? Um, so one about expansion. At least let's talk a little bit about like there's a difference between the major league level and the minor league level. Right. The minor league level there's significant concern over travel, so you're not going to expand outside your geographical footprint or anything that significantly stretches your geographical footprint. So you're not going to do that. You need to have a facility that fits the brand standards of the league in which you govern. So you're not going to accept a facility that doesn't fit with the brands that are within your league. So. Let's take baseball, for instance. You're not going to accept in a $3 million constructed stadium against, you know, when you have a group of stadiums that are worth $25 million plus. Right. You're just not going to do that. Yeah. It harms the brand of your mm-hmm. So um, that brand is a big one. You're not going to accept in a stadium that doesn't fit the mold. Uh, we're not going to stretch the geographic footprint. And three, goes back to the ownership once again. So you're going to vet them to make sure they have the financial wherewithal to get into the league. And then I will also um, point to probably the fourth one, making sure there's a market there, yeah. that the market's sustainable. Because they actually there's some, there's some municipalities right now throughout the country that build very nice stadiums, mm-hmm. like way mm-hmm. outside yep. their league. Yep. 
that you there's no way you could put a minor league baseball team in there because the local economy wouldn't support it. So they build these millions upon millions of dollar stadiums and they have a summer collegiate team. Yeah. So what what factors within a local economy um, do leagues use in order to predict whether or not there will be a market there for MSA? So is there a population? Okay. One owner did a focus group. Yeah. And went and talked to business owners and, and tested them on sponsorship levels. Like, what would you pay for an outfield billboard sign? What would you pay for X? Okay. So I thought that was really intriguing as well. So those are the ways to kind of vet. Okay. Just economic factors to, like, what's the average income of, of people in the area? Are those Are those yeah. a factor as well? And then, I think so. And the other one's competition. Okay. What else is in town? And uh, what what else do people drive through? And I'll give you an example. Um, I did a team that was in the suburbs of a major metropolitan area. It was brutal mm-hmm. because there was so much noise. There was all, it, the demographics look great, right? Average household income, population. What we really discounted in that one was the competition for those eyeballs and those people. Mm-hmm. Like we just couldn't overcome it. It, mm-hmm. it was just a poor decision. Plus, I mean, there's a lot of other factors too, including the facility and whatnot. It wasn't great to us. But um, yeah, all those things take into account. I think, you know, your question about expansion too, the thing we struggle with as a league is, We want expansion dollars, Mm -hmm. but we also don't want to let people in that shouldn't be in. And you Mm -hmm. always battle those two things like with a balancing test. It's like, yes, we want the dollars. Boy, that's really a stretch for us to get to X destination from a travel perspective. Or maybe that that expansion potential operator just quite isn't there. And we want to stretch to allow them in. So that's always a battle we have is everyone wants more teams, but more teams sometimes bring issues. Hey podcast fans, Jake here again. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Commish Talks with Josh Schaub. We hope you have a great week and don't forget to connect with Josh on LinkedIn.